Hey, everybody. Uh, I want to tell you about a podcast that I listen to on a regular basis. It's called Forward Obsessed. And so the hosts of Forward Obsessed are David Salinas and Pete Senna, two previous guests uh, of the CT Startup Podcast. And so when they were on our podcast, they were talking about all the things that they're obsessed with, the, the way they're thinking about the future, uh, how they started their business and everything, and what ideas they're trying to bring to life. And guess what? We're actually sitting in one of those ideas right now, their podcast studio at their home base at Digital Surgeons. And so their podcast, Forward Obsessed, is talking with entrepreneurs, innovators, uh, you know, forward thinkers about, you know, where they started, where they got, uh, where they're going to, and, um, you know, about all the uh, aha moments uh, along the way. And so, uh, so I think you should go check it out. It's called Forward Obsessed. It's on all the major platforms. And again, I listen to it on a regular basis. Um, I get inspiration from it on a daily basis. So um, you should too. So uh, go check it out. It's called Forward Obsessed on all the major platforms. And it's hosted by David Salinas and Pete Senna. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the CT Startup podcast. It's uh, It's been a while. Lots been happening. Um, but we are back at it. We're uh, here uh, talking with a startup founder that actually started within kind of the pandemic, kind of, you know, kind of got into her uh, her mix there. Um, and, you know, this podcast is all about talking to founders, talking to people and, and understanding whether it's a, a small, you know, small business type or a company that's trying to scale. And we just want to uh, understand it. So um, I'm your host, Eric Francis, and we have Sasha Fay from Oville Coffee. How are you doing, Sasha? Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. good. So tell us a little bit about Oville Coffee and uh, when you started it and uh, why, why you started it. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you a little bit of our background story on Oval Coffee. So we started the company in 2020, and it was with all the COVID craziness, as you are aware, but we started it anyways. Um, my husband and I, we actually got married in 2019 um, as a destination wedding in Jamaica. So when we got married, we actually did a coffee tour at a coffee plantation down there. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, going up to the, the highest heights of the Blue Mountains of Jamaica and seeing the land and really trying the coffee and tasting it for the first time, we then kind of decided to bring the coffee here to Connecticut. But with COVID, <laughs> um, and, and with all the like civil unrest mm -hmm. and everything that was happening with George Floyd and um, and just just the chaos yeah. of it all, we actually wanted to pivot our mission and like really kind of make it a more mission driven company and make it something that's going to be positive for the community. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where it all came about was that. Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting married. Uh, I was. I, I also got married in 2019. Yay. So it was like we were in like the last batch of like actually going to be able to do yes. something, right? You know, and having a big wedding or whatever. So, um, so I guess did, did you have roots in, in Jamaica? Like, did you did you have like connections to these coffee uh, um, kind of spots and everything or what? Yeah. So I actually have family land okay. in Jamaica, and um, it was nice because we were able to visit the family land before actually getting married yeah. and kind of staying on the um, on the Blue Mountains yeah. there, and then we 
we were able to connect with some local farmers in Jamaica, and that's how we kind of made that connection on importing Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee here. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee, it's a coffee that's very rare. About 80% of the coffee actually gets shipped to Japan and only 20% for the rest of the world, so. Why, why is that, just because they pay a premium for it and like they just are? Uh, well, they've had relations for like over 60 years and they've, they've always had connections with the island, but Japan is also a very health conscious nation. Mm -hmm. Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. It's alkaline. It's very delicious. It was known as a coffee that was, um, that was, I guess that kings and queens drank, you know, in the elites. So I think people kind of gravitated towards that and it's a premium coffee, but it's very delicious. So I guess like when you were thinking of starting the business, mm -hmm. I mean, was it really like you had your wedding kind of were there and we're like, let's start a business. We're yeah. married now. Let's yeah. start a business. Or did you, did you always have this kind of drive to, to do something and, and bring something to life? I think entrepreneurship is just kind of something. It's like the air I breathe. <laughs> I I wasn't always in entrepreneurship. Um, before starting Oval Coffee, uh, I was in insurance, so a little different or a very a different. Bit, right? <laughs> yeah, a little kind a little... of structured, and you know. Right? Exactly, but um, what happened was. Well, I just, I loved entrepreneurship. I've tried so many different small businesses and trying to kind of like figure out what is my thing. And the coffee just kind of fell into our laps. It was just something that we love coffee. And, you know, it was something where we can give back, where we can provide something for a community in a time where they needed it most. Like people needed to get together, but still socially distance mm -hmm. and still being able to talk to each other. So, yeah. So it seems to me that you have like a, do you have like a social mission to Obel Coffee? Is it, or, I mean, obviously, I mean, and also you're kind of a drug dealer, right? So <laughs> I'm, I'll put that to the side, but you know, but so like what, so I guess like, what is the social mission of Obel Coffee? And like, I guess, how did you pivot kind of during like the, the early stages of 2020 with everything kind of going on in the world? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we do have a mission. We, we basically focus on direct trade. Okay. And so we're going a little bit beyond fair trade when we're doing direct trade where we're actually building relationships with the farmers. Um, we work with micro lot farmers, so it's it's easy to go to like large estates, mm -hmm. but to really connect with the farmers on a one-to-one -one basis, getting to know their names, getting to talk to them, and getting to really see how direct trade really affects their lives is kind of what we're, what we're driven by mm -hmm. and what we're passionate about because it's about people and we're able to like really make that shift and do something positive. Um, I'll give you just a small story yeah. of yeah. someone that we met um, while we were in Jamaica because we actually were able to go to Jamaica to meet our producers for the first time in January. And so uh, we met Kevin and he was a coffee farmer in Jamaica and he was telling us all about how like the coffee industry changed his life, how he was going down a wrong path and he decided to just do coffee 100% of the time and now he's literally going to have his own brand of coffee, he's going to have a plot of land um, on the island and he's going to be able to produce. So it was just so amazing to know that I've been a part of that. Um, my husband, who's a co-founder, has been a part of that, and also all of our customers that support us too. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, fair trade, direct trade, right? Mm -hmm. So I haven't necessarily heard the direct trade. Uh, I mean, what you say, and I'm like, oh, obviously, right? Yeah. You know, but also like, I kind of figured fair trade was almost direct trade. Is there, I mean, is there a difference? Is fair trade now kind of one of those just like labels that got stuff, you know, put on products and they're like, yeah, you're socially responsible or you're do you have a social mission because you're a fair trade. Like explain that. Yeah. So fair trade, it's, it's, it's still good. Um, it's basically giving people fair wages for the products that they're producing. Mm -hmm. um, direct trade just goes a little bit beyond that. We're actually going 
like beyond the middleman. So we cut the middleman out and we're definitely going to the source. We're going to the local farmers. We're visiting the farmers. We're building that one-to-one relationship with the Mm -hmm. farmers. And that kind of is the difference between the two is like cutting out the middleman and just going right to the source so that the farmers can reinvest back into their farms. And Mm -hmm. that's what's important. Nice, nice. So I guess what has been... What, so you started in 2020, right? So mm-hmm. like in the height of just craziness, nobody knew what the world was going to be like, right? And so what were the, like, one, what was a challenge that you would, thought you were going to have? And then what were the real challenges that you kind of, you know, kind of yeah. faced? Um, I guess the challenge initially that I thought I was going to have was that no one was going to like the product, <laughs> um, that we weren't going to be able to reach like any customers, we weren't going to be able to touch any lives, we weren't going to be able to affect change, and that was not the challenge we ran into. <laughs> um, people loved the product right away, and we were definitely able to support a lot of farmers, and, and that was amazing. Uh, but the, the real challenge that we actually stumbled upon, which was, um, you know, with a lot of startups, it's it's finding the funding, you know, the the capital to really build upon your business plan and really seeing it go come to fruition. And so what we had to do was kind of like change our mindset a little bit on how are we going to make this challenge become something that we overcome. Mm -hmm. So we did that by actually saying, you know what, we're just going to focus on what we need and that's it. We're only going to focus on what we need and we're going to go out there and literally we just became salespeople. We were just like out there talking to people and meeting people and just saying, here, this is our mission. This is what we want to do. And then um, this is a really quality product that we're also offering as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, the funny thing about starting a company is that a lot of people don't think that one of your first roles is being a salesperson. Oh, yeah. Whether it's bringing somebody into the mission or just understanding what's like, why should I even th- listen to your idea, right? No. You got to sell me on that, right? And so were you, so was sales something that you've never done before? Was I mean, you're insurance. So were you yeah. selling insurance or were you like the actuary type of deal? Well, I was actually in, um, I was in operations okay. in insurance and I was fortunate enough to where my previous role, I was actually, or roles, I was actually in sales. Okay. So that really helped. Um, but I think it's different when you have when you're working for a company and they have all the sales contacts for you. They have who you should reach out to. Who you should here's connect. my list that yeah, I call. Right? Exactly, exactly. They're like, here's your book of business. And so when you're an entrepreneur, you have to kind of start that book of business mm-hmm. from the ground up, and you're literally like oh, so I actually have to create my own work. I don't like get a book handed to me. And so that kind of mindset, Mm -hmm. I had to really switch pretty quickly and especially to pivot during 2020. So now did what happened with the coffee industry? Like, so one, I assume you become like kind of a coffee expert, right? In the past, like, you know, (laughs) other than drinking it for years, I assume, right? So like what, where, where does your product kind of fit into the big scheme of things? Because it's kind of, so I don't know, maybe... Geez, now maybe like 10 years ago, maybe 10 plus years ago, I went out to Nicaragua and they have a big coffee scene down mm-hmm. there. And I remember that when we went to a, a coffee tasting, right? Nice. And we were there and uh, the guy said, before before you all taste, I'm going to say, I, I know like the coffee that, the two coffees that all of you are going to pick as like the best coffee. And we did it and everything and we kind of picked and it was the two coffees that most people pick was either 
uh, a Dunkin' one they sell the Dunkin' Donuts or one they sell the Starbucks, right? Yeah. And then all the other ones, he was like, well, these are all the premium ones, right? And so where does where does like Ovel Coffee and like the like you know the Blue Mountain kind of coffee kind of like fit into kind of the the saturated industry that we ha- you know that I assume you're playing in? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the great thing is we're in the specialty coffee space, okay. and so especially specialty coffee is a growing industry. Um, probably been around for about 50 years now, but it's definitely still growing. Um, a lot of it started with like the Starbucks and the Pete's where like they were the kind of front runners of the specialty coffee industry. But where Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee and Ovel Coffee fits in is we're, we're offering a premium coffee, luxury coffee, mm-hmm. coffee that um, is actually alkaline, smooth, sweet, doesn't upset your stomach, doesn't give you jitters. And so we're offering that type of coffee. So we're kind of differentiating, differentiating ourselves from the market. Um, and so the specialty coffee industry is a is an industry that's growing about $80 billion industry right now and literally just increasing as the years go on. So what happened in the pandemic was a lot of coffee shops were open and those were the shops that were like the the main shops or main places that were open because restaurants had to shut down, but coffee shops were still able to provide coffee for folks. So it was was a time where um, the coffee industry was growing, Mm -hmm. but specialty coffee was growing because people really wanted quality over quantity. And um, we're seeing that that bustling industry come into Connecticut, which is really exciting because California and Nicaragua, yep. places like that where people go and do uh, coffee tours, um, have just kind of been around for a very long time yep. already. So we're starting to see that in Connecticut. So, so it's really you're exciting. kind of starting to see the uh, like the coffee houses kind of pop up again. Yeah. And people getting into it. I know uh, where our farm is in New Britain. Like there's one that just popped up there. I know Middletown, you mm-hmm. know, Connecticut has one. I know New Haven has a few, right? So it's like exactly. those are are those your clients or those ones you kind of originally went after? So we actually, we do direct-to-consumer. We also do business-to-business as well. So it was really exciting to partner with a local Connecticut roaster here um, in Connecticut as like our first person that we're connecting with. And it's just great because we, we have like corporate accounts where they're bigger accounts, but they're like out of state. But it's good to just have someone from Connecticut, you know, Mm -hmm. that's important to us because it's like our community and we're supporting that and we're offering really great coffee to uh, a local, a local business. So it's exciting. So like, let's go back to kind of like your, your, the supply. So supply chain has been, you know, kind of like that, that's been like the buzzword, right? Supply chain, this, I mean, that's where uh, everybody gets the excuse of why their prices are so high or they can't get the product right. Supply chain, right? So how, so, I mean, you built it within this kind of crazy kind of world. So what does your supply chain look like? I mean, are you have to do a full container every time from uh, uh, Jamaica. I mean, that would be a lot of coffee, I presume. Yeah. But like, like how how have you worked through those bugs? Yeah. So uh, with supply chain, Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee is a rare coffee. Okay. It's also a regulated coffee as well. So basically, the coffee comes in a barrel. Yep. <laughs> the only coffee to come in a barrel. So it's very like one of those fancy. fifty-five uh, uh, gallon uh, drums or whatever like that. Or they, the they kind of look like a whiskey barrel, okay, but yeah. um, a little different. Um, they have fifteen kgs, thirty kgs, and sixty kg barrels. Yep. And so basically that coffee is regulated by the government of Jamaica. So there's a, a process. So the time frame to get the coffee in is 
also takes a little bit longer. Um, so that kind of holds things up a little bit. But as far as like getting coffee in, because we've built such a great relationship with our producer, we go directly to him. We know him by first name. We're just like, Donald, um, we need this order to come in. Like, how can we make it happen? And he's amazing. He makes it happen for us. So we haven't seen that major struggle as far as like getting coffee in. Um, But the regulation on the coffee gives us a little bump in the road here and there, but it's really good that there are regulations on the coffee because that's important, you know, to have that is that is that like the government's quality control of it? Yes. Because it's such a, like like I mean you, you do hear a Blue Mountain coffee right yeah. so it's such a, almost similar to like the Green Mountain coffee of Vermont right yeah. or whatever so it is like it's one of their prized assets then yes. from Jamaica right mm-hmm. yeah it is it's similar to like a Kona coffee if yep, you from to, Hawaii yep, yep. yep exactly so uh, they regulate it just to make sure that there's uniformity they regulate it for quality um, sometimes in an in industry in coffee like people will offset or augment the bags to like kind of put in coffee that's not supposed to be in there so the government has kind of put something in place where like they can actually regulate the coffee and make sure that you're getting 100% Blue Mountain coffee you get certifications and you have to do trademark licensing so there is a whole thing behind it but it's it's really good to be able to be a part of it and and really just connecting with the farmers and really building that relationship and that's what's so important to us so. yeah 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 cutting the coffee right you don't yeah. want to cut the coffee and yeah exactly it, right? <laughs> exactly you want the real deal you yeah, want exactly. that 100 yeah. especially yeah. if you're paying the price for it oh so, for sure yeah. for sure so i guess like in in jamaica like is it um so the land direct to you know uh um, direct to producer are you limited by like how much your business could actually scale or is it to even get to like you're gonna you're almost gonna get to a point where you can only import a certain amount of this type of coffee so there there are parameters where um, about 80% of the coffee gets shipped to Japan. Mm-hmm. And then there's only 20% for the rest of us. So um, and in Jamaica, Blue, in Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee, it's a coffee where it's um, the production is lower. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking to do is really you know, as I've been kind of saying over and over, like building relationships, building relationships, we're, we're trying to make sure that we're building relationships so that farmers can um, reinvest back into their farms. Right. When they're reinvesting back into their farms, they can provide more sustainability, they can provide more um, more production, mm-hmm. and, and they'll be able to do it in a sustainable way where they're not affecting the earth. They can use the, the waste from the pulp or the cherry skin yep. to put back into the farm and kind of do it more as like fertilization. Like kind um, of permaculture kind of yeah, that, you know, exactly, yeah. exactly. There's, uh, you know, wet mills that they that they need um, to kind of pr- produce the coffee a little faster. And so those types of things are some of the things that we're looking at in order to be able to, to scale and grow and get more coffee, but do it in a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, seeing if we can get a little bit more uh, <laughs> more coffee than just 20% for the rest of the world. <laughs> Diversification. Because, you know, it, even, even um, in Jamaica, farmers, they need to diversify their market. They need to be able to pivot because when they're working with um, folks like us, mm-hmm. you know, Oval Coffee or whatever other company that are doing direct trade, they're getting the best price in the market. And then we're getting quality coffee. So it's a win-win. And then people are able to really um, see the value in that. And and there's also 
farmers are able to have a living wage and provide for their families and then continue to go into the business. But a lot of young folks are shying away from it because, For sure. I you mean, know? farming's yeah. tough. Farming, exactly. far, I mean, tough. Farming is not it's an easy work. thing. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Is, I mean, we have rising food costs uh, mm -hmm. across the board, right? That doesn't mean rising costs or uh, rising revenue to the farmer, exactly. right? It, it's that middleman kind of, kind of scenario where a lot of food is middled. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't. And again, it's 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 a hard job. It's yeah. I mean, you're out there, you're doing the gig. And then again, you could have a catastrophic event where then your crop goes. Right. So, um, so that is uh, it is it's good that you're direct uh, to them. But like so do you have kind of relationships with them where you're saying, hey, listen, when you get to this point, can you expand? I mean, it takes a while to turn land into. Uh, right. Yeah, it does. It takes about five years um, before you can yield a crop like an efficient crop to actually for production. And uh, so as far as like scaling goes, we definitely would need to um, make sure that we're getting more land, that we're, um, you know, working with the government to see how can we diversify, how can we, um, how can we get more coffee into other parts of the world mm -hmm. and kind of just letting them know the value of that. And that's kind of how we're going to be able to scale. So every time a customer is, you know, purchasing from Oval Coffee or um, believing in our mission, they're actually helping us scale. They're helping us grow. They're, they're putting back into a community that desperately needs it, especially, um, you know, right now, uh, by 2023, the jobless rate is going to be at 11.5%. So that's just, it's crazy to think about. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are out of work and that have not gone back to work because of COVID. And, you know, having an, a different industry that's kind of giving you a living wage mm -hmm. is going to be very important for that. And so that, I assume, I mean, you're talking about the people in Jamaica, right? Like, yes. and like, yeah, right. So mm -hmm. it's like, is that economy, I mean, is coffee a very big part of their economy down there? Or is it just kind of like a small subset, but it's just like a premium, you know, kind of product? It's a small subset. It's, well, it's a big economy for them. Yep. Um, but the actual locals, the people that know about the coffee, they don't really know the true value of, of what they can what they can do with the industry because they're not taught about it. They're, it's not something that's learned or it's not or it's not something that's taught. So they don't really know what they can actually do with that economy and how they can actually grow it. And you know, and I think that's some of the things that I would just love to kind of get in and, and work with the government to kind of make those initiatives come true. I think um, they have like Do Business Jamaica where yep. where it's where they're trying to really kind of build that economy. But you know, I think what's also important is how do we build that economy but also have that have that impact us here too in Connecticut. You yeah. know, how do we feel good about putting into economy, but what are we gonna be able to get back? And you know, people love the fact that they're getting quality coffee and that they're able to have like the smoothness of the coffee, very little acidity, it doesn't upset their stomach. Um, a lot of people have, you know, different kinds of stomach ailments where when they're drinking like really quality Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, they're just like, wow, I don't feel any upset in my stomach. Like I can drink this all day long. 
And so those are the things that it's just like, all right, all of our efforts are just, yeah. it's coming full circle. Yeah. So we love that. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, now that we're getting back kind of out, like yeah. being at home, they probably drink a lot more coffee. I know I was drinking a lot more coffee because it's like the pot's there and you're just kind of going oh, yeah. at it. And then when you stop, you're like, you know, you're jittery. Right? <laughs> so, so like if this has a kind of a smoother letdown, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It has a smoother letdown. So it has a smooth finish. Um, and it's well balanced and then you don't get those jitters. Mm -hmm. So there's a lower caffeine content in Jamaica Blue Mountain as well. Um, the coffee takes about eight months for the sugars to actually produce on the actual plant. Coffee's a fruit for anyone that doesn't know. But, um, so it, it's, it's just a really well balanced, delicious cup of coffee that is chocolatey and sweet. So it's it's amazing. I it's my favorite. So. Nice, nice. That's me being biased and unbiased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, so it is interesting that you kind of talked about how like they don't understand the product they have or they don't understand the value of it outside yeah. of Jamaica, right? Because there's like a lot of people who I think there's there's probably a lot of different industries or a lot of different products around the, the world that kind of do that, right? Where they're yeah. just like and, and it's almost kind of suppressed a little bit where it's like your coffee's not that good. Yeah. yeah you know, and then when you get it back, you're like, this is the best coffee yeah, ever, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, so is that, you have almost have to like change the way they look at their product. It's like, it's a premium product. It's not just coffee, everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's changing the narrative and making it more um, accessible and, and letting young people know that they can get into this industry and they can make a living wage. And like I mentioned earlier, like with Kevin, you know, before he didn't know, he's a young guy, he didn't know that this industry can provide for him mm -hmm. and his family. And now he knows that, but if he didn't get into it, he wouldn't have known. And, and then he, who knows what could have happened with his story. Mm -hmm. So I think just kind of getting that education out there that you don't have to just do this one thing. You can actually get into a completely different industry that you wouldn't think that you would love or enjoy, or it's, it's different, but you can actually be successful mm -hmm. at it. Are there going to be issues with like uh, uh, like the farmers in Jamaica right now being older and they don't have anybody to pass it down? Is that is that something that you're kind of seeing? That is, yeah, it is something that I'm seeing right now. Um, and when we actually went down in January, we had an opportunity to meet with the uh, local government officials and try to like kind of talk about that. Like, what what is there? What are some things that can be done? And how can uh, we continue to educate folks? And, and like, where can you access these young folks? So those are all the conversations that are going on down there, because a lot of the uh, population that are or a lot of the farmers that are producing coffee are all older and they're they're going to be aging out soon so yeah I mean, and and also just i mean we had um uh, so my wife had worked at a farm growing up and everything in portland connecticut nice. and a lot of the workers there come from jamaica oh, they're yeah. they're phenomenal guys mm -hmm. they were at our wedding it was yeah. great like but like they're i mean they're older right mm -hmm. they've been coming up here for 30 plus years and they go back down there so like that's another thing is that a lot of these Caribbean nations and, and they migrate up to the U.S. to actually work. So some, again, like the, the higher end farmers are actually in the U.S. farming, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like you have to, we, and, I mean, we're dealing with this in the U.S. of we don't have people to take over farmland, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so forth. So um, if you, it all comes down to money, right? Can yeah. you make money, right? Can you actually <laughs> make true. a decent wage? And so that's, uh, that's good that you're uh, trying to promote that and everything. So kind of switching gears a little bit, like this is the CC Startup Podcast. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, it's kind of, it's it's interesting that a lot of people think about Connecticut as like not being pro-business, right? Mm -hmm. 
I've so I'm born and raised here. I uh, went to graduated uh, CCSU in 2010. Oh, and I, I have, too. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, CCSU. Yep. Not, not, so did Perez. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. When you graduate? Blue Devils. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2012. Okay, nice. So we were we were probably you know cross paths, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the thing is, though, is that people think about Connecticut as just not being pro business. How has your experience been, uh, like starting your business, how, like being around people? Have people been receptive? I mean, there's always struggles. Like, let's not get that wrong. But like, yeah. how, how do you view Connecticut? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you on that front. I think um, I think that we're trending more towards pro business. I think there's always like um, regulations and they're good, but also sometimes it hinders you as you're like a startup company mm-hmm. and you're trying to kind of get out there and do your thing. And like, you're kind of almost in the wild or the wilderness right now because you're trying to figure it all out. But um, I think overall, I've met so many amazing people in the industry. Um uh, so many amazing entrepreneurs, which have been really helpful in like just kind of giving feedback or giving um, just giving advice, you mm-hmm. know, or it's saying like, oh, do this and don't do that and, and just kind of leading the way. So that's really amazing. And I think even to your point, like having CT startup, you know, podcasts, that's amazing to get other people to know about, you know, other entrepreneurs, who's out there, who's doing the newest and latest things. Like, and I think that kind of starts the conversation and building upon what Connecticut has to offer. Cause we do have to catch up to other uh, cities and states that have been doing entrepreneurial things way longer and, and really pushing the envelope for us. So I think, I think this is all really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just the changing of the mindset of like people think about startups or like Facebook or this or that, like these yeah. huge scale businesses, but it's no, like it's Ovel Coffee, right? It's that yeah. small, it's the grind, right? It's yeah. just kind of grinding away and building a brand that can last and it's okay. You don't have to scale everywhere, right? There's yeah. going to be, if you're so successful, you are going to have a cap of what you could do, right? Because you're yeah. never going to get the 20, you know, you're not going to get all 30 or 40 or 50% of, exactly. the, of the market, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I mean, it's, it's good. And that is the point is that we want to meet people like you mm-hmm. and again, put us, put you into our network where we can call you up and say, listen, we have this event and yeah. we're looking for some banging coffee, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's about like connecting with different entrepreneurs and like, and having the dialogue and the conversation and, you know, also tackling some of that market share, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and, and I think when you're meeting different entrepreneurs and you're getting like the energy from them and you're getting excited about knowing that, all right, I can just like reach out to you, Eric, like you can reach out to me and like we can bounce ideas off mm-hmm. of each other and, or we can just connect each other with other entrepreneurs that are maybe wanting to do the same thing. And I think there's just something beautiful about that. And I, I really am excited to know that I'm a part of that in Connecticut. Nice, so nice. So, uh, so I'm excited to, to try the coffee. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, as we wrap up, you are B two B and uh, direct consumer. So, yes. one, how can people come and find you? Where can they go? Can they just order off your website? How does that go? Yeah, so you can order off the website. We're ovelcoffee.com. Uh, you can definitely find us there. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Ovel Coffee Co. on Facebook and Ovel Coffee on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us at local um, farmers markets. We're right in West Harper's Farmer's Market, Saturdays 9 to 1. Um, and, you know, we're working with local roasters in Connecticut as well to sell Jamaica Blue Mountain green beans. So hopefully you'll see us at a couple of those as well. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, Sasha, thank you very much for, for being here. Yeah, uh, we look forward to it. And uh, if you're, oh, what oh else one you got? last oh, yeah. thing. Yes, I almost forgot. I wanted to um, just kind of, we put on an open mic and coffee house, which is Hope Out Loud. And basically we co-host that. It's actually, um, it's on the last Friday of every month. And so basically we do that from 7 to 9 p.m. It's for like artists, uh, musicians, spoken word artists, poets, um, to just come out and kind of talk about either social issues or just anything that you kind of have um, going on or your thoughts. Nice. And yeah. so where, where is that? Uh, that's going to be uh, 144 Quaker Lane South in West Hartford, Connecticut. All right. Very cool. Very cool. And so, uh, um, so yeah, if you're a coffee house owner, uh, definitely reach out to Ovel. She's got some uh, good coffee for you. And uh, again, we appreciate you uh, coming on and we look forward to uh, seeing you uh, grow the business. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Eric. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.